0: Well, it is so good to be together with you. And for those of you that are joining us and we get to join you online, we are so grateful to be together with you. For those of you that are new with us, my name is Casey and I want to welcome you and just remind you of that Connect card that's located in the seat back of the chair in front of you. We would love to give you a gift for being with us today. So if you'll take that Connect card, take it to the welcome table in the back. A host would love to give you a gift for being with us today. And I say this every week, it is a bribe because we want you to be back with us because we love spending time with you together and be here together. Hey, Westside, let's let all of our guests know, as well as those online, know how much we enjoy being together with them today. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, We are continuing this series that is all about a question, a question that is relevant to many of you. Maybe this is a question you're asking. I, I believe this is a question relevant to all of us. Maybe it's one that you're asking personally, or it's a question someone close to you is asking Personally, it's the question Can I trust the Bible? And in this series, we've been looking at this series' big idea that Jesus' resurrection gives us the confidence to trust Scripture to guide our beliefs and guide our actions. That Jesus' resurrection is what gives us the confidence that while the Bible informs our faith, the Bible is not necessarily the foundation for our faith. It's so much better. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation for our faith. Or as we saw a couple weeks ago, what the first century disciples said, it's the cornerstone that the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus himself and his resurrection is the cornerstone by which our faith is built. And the resurrection, Gives you and I the confidence to live our lives in view of the scriptures that we have, in view of the, the, this beautiful miracle that we call the Bible. And we can look at the Bible to guide our beliefs and guide how we should live. And as we live the life that we live, our life, here's the reality, is your life is telling a story. As we live our life guided by the Bible specifically, it tells a bigger story. And that's what I want to help you see today. And see, every life that is lived, every one of your lives, every life that is here and represented here is telling a story. Because that's really what life is, isn't it? Life Is one story, and and each of us have a story that makes up our life. And your story and our story, your story is an epic fight for life. I mean, this is why you love telling the stories where there was something you had to overcome, and in overcoming it, there was such meaning and value and fulfillment and purpose. Because we love to tell stories that bring meaning and value because those experiences brought meaning and value. To us, we want to live life to the full. And because we want to live life to the full, we love telling the stories of the lives we live where it's been brought to the full. And what makes those stories great? I mean, isn't it what, what makes those stories great? The, the, the fight for that story or the fight in that story, the conflict, the adversity or the, uh, the adversary. See, because without any adversity or any adversary to overcome, Really, what's the story that we tell? And here's a reality. Our human story that you and I are part of, our human story is embedded in a more expansive narrative. Your story is part of a bigger story, and the backstory, which supports each of and every one of our stories, is an epic. It's an epic that is not of tale or fiction. It is not one of, of imaginary uh, fabrication, but it's one that is embedded in the fabric of the universe and of all of creation. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that we can look at this collection of writings that we call the Bible, which reveal this narrative in which our story, and your story, takes shape. And today, here's the teaching big idea that I hope that you discover. I hope that this leads you to want to read the scripture in the story it shares. This is the teaching big idea. Scripture reveals that you can trust that every detail of your story is a part of the story God is writing. This is what scripture reveals. This scripture reveals that you can trust that every detail of your story is part of this bigger story that God is writing because God, as we see the God of the Bible, he's a God who cares for and is involved in your daily life. He cares for you so much that when he made you, he puts something inside of you that longs, that craves, that desires to be a part of a bigger story. This is why King Solomon would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words that would be later called Ecclesiastes. He has made everything. This is what he would write. He would say, God has made everything beautiful in its time. God, he has also set eternity in the human heart. I want to read that again because this is important. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Every one of us has this sense of eternity. And the reason is, because God placed it there. That because your story is embedded in an eternal story. This is why king solomon would write this see the human story begins before even the human story begins see it begins before human life ever took shape or was ever created it begins before what we know to be the beginning and it unfolds in two different ways that we see it revealed in scripture we see it revealed in two different ways first the bible reveals an upper story and second Lower stories. The Bible reveals an upper story and lower stories simultaneously unfolding. This is what the scripture shows us. These two stories, this upper story of what in this, these lower stories simultaneously being written and in, 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 in this, and in unfolding. The lower stories, I want to help you understand, these are the ones that are closest to us. These are the details of your life contributing, and all of these lives that we live, all the details of our life, contribute to the one grand narrative, this upper story that God is telling. Randy Frazee, the lead pastor of our parent church at Westside Family Church in Lenexa, he writes about these two categories. And, And this is what he says about the upper and the lower stories. He says the Bible reveals that God creates the world of the lower story in his upper story. See, the lower stories are what make the upper story. It's the lower stories, and these are many, just as they are. There are as many different human beings that have ever lived. And as many as us are here are all the lower stories that are represented in our life, and every one of our lives are a part of this grand big story. And in the Bible, the story of the people, the story of the nation of Israel, the story that we read of these individuals that we, accounts that we read, all support one big upper story that God is telling because that upper story is one narrative. Now, the lower story is our individual story of what we do or what's been done to us. It's how we see life from one, from our own perspective. It's how one sees their life. From their own perspective. This is the lower story. It's made, of, of, of the, it's made up in the lives that you live. It's the, these are the ups and downs of your day. That, that one day has ups, the other day has downs. This is made up of the choices you make. This is made up of the experiences you have. And this is made even of the pain that we feel. See, the pain you feel is a part of this big upper story. And the pain that you even cause because of the choices you make are a part of your lower story. And it's all wrapped up in God's upper story. See, what we do or what's been done to us is part of the lower story that every one of us live. Now, in scripture, we read about many lower stories. We read about Joseph and how he was sold as a slave to Egyptian slave traders by his brother. This is the lower story. And in this lower story, we see seven years that he would spend in prison And under house arrest in this this story. But in the upper story, Joseph reveals, he got wind of the upper story. He says, God uses all things. He works all things together in this. And he goes, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. In the lower stories that we read, like the story of David, we see a shepherd boy becoming the new king of Israel and leading this new nation of Israel to be the new community of God. And he, he, in his own life, is under the pain, but he also creates choices and makes choices that affect pain on others and create pain on others through his own act of adultery. As a king, he invites pain into his family and invites pain into the life of Israel as a nation. It's all a part of his lower story, it tells a bigger narrative of what God is telling. We read about Esther's appointment. Esther, who was a Jew as the king of Persia, and they were in exile, and the king of Persia exiles his queen and invites a banquet, and all these ladies who were beautiful come, yet. Queen Esther is chosen to be queen, and later would come in the upper story that all of this happened for such a time as this. Because every one of the lower stories that you read about in the Bible are contributing to a grand upper story. The upper story is the story God has written through the scriptures. We see this upper story through the scriptures and the story, the the the, the narratives of these lower stories, and to make sense. And to find meaning... In these lower stories, you have to understand the upper story. You have to understand the main story of what is happening. You can't lose sight of the upper story as it unfolds in Scripture because if you lose sight of it, you will never make sense of the lower stories that you read about. They will cause you to be uh, confused and and you you won't understand what God is doing and, and you won't understand how all of this is a part of His upper story. If you don't know what the upper story is. And also, you can't lose sight of God's upper story in the lower story that you live, in the life you live, because in your pain, in your experiences, the good and the bad, what you do or what's been done to you has to be seen in view of God's upper story. The pain you're feeling today has to be seen in perspective of the big story that God is telling. Now, in the scripture, in the Bible, what we call the Bible, there are five main stories that we find in the Bible. And here they are. In his book, The Heart of the Story, you can read more about this. In fact, I encourage you to get your hands on two books, the story that is edited by Max Lucado and Randy Frazee, and this follow-up, which I think is a great read. You don't even need to read the story to read this, but it's called The Heart of the Story. And in this, he talks about the upper and the lower stories, and the narrative that unfolds in these five stories. The story of the garden, Genesis 1 through chapter 1, chapter 11. The story of this perfect community with God and this perfect creation. The story of Israel is the second story we read about. This takes is from Abraham in Genesis 12, God making a nation out of this old man named Abraham and saying, I'm going to make a new community out of you so I can reveal myself to all humanity and bless all humanity through you as a nation. And that goes all the way through Malachi, a story of Jesus, which the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. The story of the church, which Luke helped kick this off in the book of Acts. And we have these letters all the way through Jude that help us see the birth of the church and how God was working through the church to unfold his big story of redemption. And then the story of the new garden. See, in this, the story of Jesus would be reversing the curse of sin and the story of the church would be announcing the good news of Jesus all toward this reunion, all toward this restoration of all things where the new community now lives with God forever just like he intended it to be in the beginning. See, the upper story contains the narratives of all the lower stories that are contained and what we get to call the Bible. Now, while the lower story contains the things people do or what's been done to them, the upper story is what God is writing, what God has done for us, doing in us, and how he's using us for his purposes. His purpose to restore all things back to its original state of very good. Now, Scripture shows a return to what this very good is. And it's best to see those five stories, not in the linear format, but in a circular format. How the beginning, the perfect creation, how the story of Israel, and then the story of Jesus, and the story of churches, all bringing it back to a full circle of the new garden, the new eternity. And in this, the first two, first two chapters of what we have in Genesis reflect and almost similar to the last two chapters that we read about in Revelation where God enacts the grand reversal of what he's doing. See, God uses the story of Israel, Jesus, and the church to lead us, to lead a humanity into a new beginning. He's reversing the curse of sin for all who trust in him. This is the grand reversal of what Satan and selfishness started. Selfishness, which is also defined as sin. Now, to keep our lower stories in perspective of the upper story, it helps to see that there are four acts to this epic that every one of us are a part of. These four acts are not just part of the upper story. These four acts are not just part of your story. These four acts influence everything that we read about in scripture and they need to be seen in, perspective, in in the perspective of our pain and the things that we experience in life. Act one would begin before humanity. It begins with God in the beginning. In Genesis, it would say in the beginning, God, and that's the beginning. And John, he would begin his, his, his book, his gospel, and say in the beginning, the word, meaning Jesus, was with God. He was with God in the beginning. See, the beginning begins before the beginning of humanity. The beginning doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. See, while there, there is act one with God, with God, there is paradise and perfect communion. That is act one, paradise and perfect community with God. Now, paradise isn't as much a place as it is being with God. Paradise is having perfect communion With our Creator God. See, a loving God created a world with a people to love and and to love Him in return. See, God created a people that He could love and He gives the people a purpose to love Him in return. God, who is love, His nature is love, creates humanity that He can love and He can give life because He loves. And this is the, it gives this humanity a world to live in. We read about this in the Genesis account and we can trust the Genesis account because of the resurrection of Jesus. We read about this. So God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Five stages precede this stage. Five days of creation precede this day of creation. And every stage, at the end of it, God would call it good. But on this sixth day, the day that he created man, he said something was more special about this because it's good, good. It is very good. It is extra good. God, who predates man, exists in community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created man and humanity to exist in community with him he created us in his image he created us to be his children to be a part of his family his kingdom family he created us with a purpose to love him and to love each other in return for because of his love for us this is why you have value your value is not in what you do or what's been done to you your value is in whose image you are created and we see this because of the upper story. See, our lower story is what's been done to us or what we've done. And this does not bring our life meaning or purpose. It's what God says about us that brings our life meaning and purpose. God created you to love him and to love him. And he wants you to love him. That's amazing. But every great story has something else, has adversity. Or an adversary. It has the protagonist. The protagonist has the antagonist. The greatest movies ever told have conflict to overcome or adversity to, to, to get through or an adversary to conquer. Why is this? Because all great stories are embedded in the epic, the big story, the upper story that God is writing. And to understand this, we must look at Act Two. Act Two is this paradise lost and community broken. Paradise lost, a community broken. In act two, tragedy strikes humanity. Tragedy strikes the world in which humanity inhabits. Relationship with God is broken. Relationship with each other and even ourselves is broken. Paradise is lost. No longer is there a place to inhabit. And pain now enters the human narrative. Satan, the adversary, and our selfish sin destroys our relationship with God and brings death into our story. God, who created humanity, created humanity to live forever, created to us to love us and for us to love him in return. This was exemplified through an, a, a tree called the tree of life. The, this eternal life was portrayed as this tree of life in the garden of paradise, And God wanted to love us and experience his love forever. And he, wanted, he created us with a purpose to love him in return. But it's not love unless it's a choice. That's why the Genesis account also tells of a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, in this paradise. And, and this is why God gives Adam and Eve in this telling. He, he gives Adam and Eve a choice to choose him, to trust in him. And to show their devotion to him. But there is an adversary in our story that shows up in the Genesis account. He shows up as a serpent and his name is Satan. Satan deceives Adam just like Satan wants to, to deceive you and I. Satan doesn't want us to believe or that word in, the, in our language is trust. It's the same word they use all the way through the, the Bible. It's trust. Believe or trust. Because to break a trust is to sin. Satan knows. That to sin against God, break our trust in him, to not trust him, to not believe him, is a sin that leads to death. And that's what Satan wants for all humanity. So just like you and I are tempted to do whatever we want to in life, to not trust God and want to do, live life however we want, Adam and Eve are tempted to take control and not trust in God's control. In Genesis 3, verse 4, Satan tells the woman, you will certainly not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, Then the eye and he, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized. They were naked. Shame enters human story, the human narrative, because of our selfish decision. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves because that's what we try to do. We try to cover our shame instead of just being honest and upfront. Then the man and the wife hear the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. We hear see that they chose To break the trust in God, and that breaks the relationship. And since this time, humanity's selfish sin, your selfish sin, has been the result of humanity's curse. We are born with this selfish struggle. This is why every one of us must die. This is why death is a part of the human narrative and not just the human narrative of creation's narrative. Things have to die. Sin introduces death. This is why our lower stories and your lower story is filled with pain, pain of loss, pain of decisions that hurt you and hurt others, pain that, that makes God feel distant in your life because of we deal with this curse called sin. It's our selfishness. This is why we cause pain to other people. It's because of our selfishness. The enemy just has to get us to live selfishly, and this breaks our community with each other and also breaks our community with God because Satan sees the image of God in you, and that image is love. To do the opposite of love is to live selfishly, and to live selfishly is what he wants you and I to do, and when he does this, he breaks that image in us. He does this by tempting us to be selfish, to deny God's authority in our life, and to get us to think that we have the right to live however we want. This is humanity's narrative. This is the life we live without God. This is the selfish life to do whatever we want, to live however we want in a way that makes us happy. This is the end state that culture says of man to live at the cost, even at making others suffer. This is the work of the enemy. This is the work of Satan since the beginning of time. That work is revealed in us as sin, and there is a consequence to pay, and it's death. This, at the na- is, it, this is at the nature of our hearts, and that's why we always gravitate and you know, have this gravitation towards selfishness. But God still sees his image in you. He still sees his image in all of humanity. And while it is distorted, it is not lost, but needs to be restored. The life sold to our selfish sin needs to be redeemed, but we cannot redeem it ourselves. There needs to be a rescue. We cannot save ourselves. And so every great story has a rescue because humanity's story, your story, the epic we live has a rescue. In Act 3, it's rescued and community restored. In Act 3, we see God, a father of a family that he wants to redeem and restore. God the Father rescues humanity from our sin by sending Jesus to die for us and giving us the Holy Spirit to live in us and give us new life in him. This is what Jesus would show us through the miracles that He would perform. The Father would send Jesus in the world to reverse the curse of sin, to reverse, do this grand reversal of what sin did. Jesus would undo through His perfect work, John Eldridge, in his book called epic. This is what he would say. Wherever humanity was broken, Jesus restored it. Wherever humanity was broken, Jesus would restore it. This is the narrative that we have in the gospels, that when blind eyes, God, Jesus would see the blind eyes and he would, he would bring healing to them and they would see the beauty of creation. When, when deaf ears would hear, they would hear the joy, the laughter of what creation was made. That this is what God was doing through Jesus. He was restoring what humanity and sin had broken. The lame would leap to their feet to dance. Even the dead would come back to life and be reunited with family. This is the story of scripture. This is the story, the big upper story of the Bible. God rescuing and restoring our community with God and restoring our community with each other. Why John, as he tells the story of Jesus, would say, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God rescues the human heart from our sin what he the hebrew prophets jeremiah and ezekiel would prophesy jesus would make possible through his life his death and his resurrection he would restore our hearts our selfish hearts that are under the hardness of humanity's curse of sin and for all who would believe in him He would give a new heart. That's why Jesus would say to Nicodemus that you must be born again. You cannot be born again in your own. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to give you a new heart by giving you a new life. And making you a new temple, just like the original temple the earth was to inhabit God. Now you and I become a temple where God inhabits us through giving us his spirit to live in us. God was with man in the beginning and through the Holy Spirit, the gift of God to us and the grace of God through the forgiveness of what Jesus makes possible. We can now be with God and God can be with us again. What sin destroyed is now restored. Our relationship with God is made new because sin has been paid for and our lives have been redeemed. And through Jesus, all of this is because of Jesus' Jesus act of eternal love, God with us, us with him, because he is alive in all who trust in him. Yes, there is pain uh, that's part of your lower story. There is pain that is part of your life, but your story So much bigger. God is with you in the pain of every moment. And every story, we need to understand, every great story has a great ending, doesn't it? The stories we love to share are the stories that end with what? And they lived happily ever after. This is possible. And I say this very carefully. This is possible for your story. This is possible, and this is possible because of what Jesus has done. In paradise, that's restored, act four. In this act four, God creates a new heaven and a new earth for his children to be together with him forever. forever, Together forever. Together forever. See, paradise is not a place as much as it's a being with God forever. That's why God, Jesus on the to the thief beside Him on the cross would say, "Together, you're going to be with Me in paradise." It's together with God. This is the story. This is it, the, the, this is the, how the reverse this sin of cur, the curse of sin is reversed. John writes about this ending to our human narrative that is our hope that we look forward to that's that is the product of his kingdom being perfectly restored and yes his kingdom is coming to our hearts and it's coming again and he's continuing to bring it and then it will come in a perfect recreation of all things this is the story for all who trust in jesus as savior and follow him as lord and this is It's how the story ends and makes the pain of our life worth it. John would write this in the book called Revelation. He would say, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! While we live in this old order of things right now where there's pain, one day, for those who trust in Jesus as their Savior and follow him as their Lord, all the pain of our story will be reconciled. We'll we'll find its true purpose in the upper story that God is writing. And we believe this because of the resurrection of Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus would tell John as he was sitting on, Jesus was sitting on the throne because John would write, he who is seated on the throne, Jesus himself said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And do we believe it because it's in the Bible? No, we believe it because of the resurrection of Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we trust that these are true. Then he said to John, it is done. It's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The thirsty, I will, to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. See the invitation? Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is the end of the story. But it's only for those who choose to trust God Choose God by trusting in Jesus and following him. This is the end of the story for those who trust in him and follow him. See, you can choose God and receive life, or you can deny God and suffer an eternal death. Jesus reveals that while there is an ending where we could live happily ever after, and that's possible, there's another alternative ending. For those who don't choose God, that choose to deny him. See, Jesus reveals this alternate ending in a a parable he gives as he's addressing some religious people, people that thought they could earn their way to God. And and, And he tells them what the kingdom of God is like. He says the kingdom of God is like a king who prepares a wedding banquet for his son. The servants, he would send out servants to bring them in and invite people to come to this wedding banquet. And and as the servants would go and share this, the servants would refuse, the the people, as the servants would invite them, the people would refuse to come. And then he sent more servants to them. The king would send more servants out and, and say, tell those I've invited to come to this banquet. Tell them that the calf has been fattened, that the ox has been prepared. Everything's ready. They just need to show up. Come to this wedding banquet. But Jesus would say they paid no attention. And they went off. And he tells how they just chose their own way. One went to his field, another to a business. And then the rest, would, then these, the rest of these people, they would seize the servants of the king and kill them. The king would become enraged because they didn't choose him. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned the city then he said to his servants servants the wedding banquet is ready but those i invited did not come so go to the street corners and invite everyone so the servants go out and they invite the lost the last and the least to come to this banquet the ragged the worn out the good the bad the wedding then would hall would be filled and the banquet would be filled with guests who received an invitation to the wedding and they were grateful But one guest sneaks in, we read, Jesus tells. And he wasn't prepared for this wedding. He, we'll see here in a second, wasn't dressed for it. In verse 11, when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. This is a metaphor for wanting into the banquet, but not wearing The clothes that the king would provide. See, the king would provide clothes in a wedding. And in our wedding banquet, our clothes are filthy rags. Our good works mean nothing. You can't get into the wedding in your own works. You can only get into the banquet of eternal life through the work and the finished work of Jesus. So you can't do this on your own. The New Testament authors would say, we clothe ourselves with his righteousness. It's because in his perfect work that we're made whole. Then the king tells the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few choose God. Many want eternal life, but they don't want the God or Jesus who brings life. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is a picture that God gives us of an eternity that's not with God. And this is what it's like to live without God, the giver of life. To not choose God is to choose a life that, in, 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 of eternity in a broken relationship with God, an eternity that's not part of God's community nor with God forever. and this hell. See, hell is the end of the story for those who don't trust in Jesus as Savior and follow him as Lord. But we need to understand something. Hell was not created for humanity. Hell was created for Satan and his followers. But in this final act of self-centeredness, to deny God, reject his love, and resist his authority in our lives is to choose the same fate of Satan who hates God and turn his back but to receive Jesus is to become children of God. This is why John would write, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe, who trust in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor human will or human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. John says, I can testify, I saw Jesus. And you can believe this, not because it's written in a book, but you can believe this because I saw a resurrected Jesus. I saw his glory. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. We believe the story of the Bible because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is our story. Should you, should you choose to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and follow Him as your Lord? Because as soon as you begin to trust in Jesus as your Savior, He brings you into this new community. A new community where He is your Father a new community where God gives you life forever and we spend forever with him, the giver of life, together. This is the story that he invites everyone into. The question is, will you choose this? This is the story that the Bible shares. This is why you need to read your Bible. And this is our story. Because of the good news of Jesus, that this is our testimony, should we choose God and not our own way?
1: This is my testimony from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. Come together, sons and daughters, bow with blood and washed in water, sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father, our God, we'll finish what He started, oh, our God, we'll finish what He started, this is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story, I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Sing this with me. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh I believe. This is my testimony from death to life. His grace rewrote my story, I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, this is my testimony.
0: This is our story. This is our story because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is why that we can look at scripture and we can see that it reveals that we can trust every detail of our story because it's a part, we can trust that every detail of our story is a part of God's story that he's writing. This is why you can make sense of the pain that you're in right now. This is why you can make sense of the things and and the consequences of life that we suffer and the things that have happened to us and the things that we caused. It's a part of a story that one day it'll all be restored. While not here, then yes. And for those of you that have never put your trust in Jesus, we want to invite you into the invitation that God has already extended. We'd love to pray with you. Our prayer partners will be up here. They'd love to pray with anyone for any reason. And we would love to pray with you if you want to start this journey and start a new story and be a part of this new community with those of us who have been made a part of it through Jesus' final act in his resurrection and his grace toward us. It's just a matter of receiving his forgiveness,
1: confessing our
0: selfish sin and becoming a part of his new family and following him in a new community of believers. Maybe you need to talk to the person that brought you and they'd like to share that good news with you and you can start that new with Jesus. Before we leave, I wanna invite you to, if, if you would like to discover more about this grand story that we're a part of, I invite you to a Journey to the Word luncheon that's gonna take place next Sunday. We've been telling you about this for the last several weeks. It's next Sunday. You can get more information about this at uh, westsideleavenworth.com forward slash Bible. You can also sign up there for that luncheon and this class. It's a 10 it's a week journey that we wanna help you understand the scripture more. But I wanna pray with us before we leave. We bow your head father it's hard to understand the pain that we read in the story of the scripture that you've given us it's sometimes hard to understand the pain that we all experience the pain that we suffer from the choices of others to the pain that we create in our own sinful selfishness but god may we see and the life we live and may we see the story of scripture, these lower stories in the upper story and perspective of this upper story. And may we realize that you are in every detail of our life. And as we choose to trust in you, may you redeem our story and use it to glorify your name and bring more people in to this invitation that you've given in Jesus name. God bless you, Westside. Side. Do not miss next week as we finish the series, Can I Trust?